Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 This episode is brought to you by Hostfully, a company that helps you make beautiful guidebooks for your listing. Make your own at hostfully.com slash pad. And as a special for Get Paid for Your Pad listeners, you'll get a free guidebook consultation after you make your guidebook. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. And today I have a special guest who had not such a good experience with Airbnb, but it's also good to highlight those sometimes. So welcome to the show, Alice Jablonski. Hi, thank you for having me. How's it going? Great. Thank you. <laughs> are you uh are you over kind of over the experience that you had with uh, the um, Airbnb? <laughs> um well, I'm interested in reliving it with you now, but um I am really hoping that it gets resolved and that I can be over and done with it as soon as possible. Awesome. Well, let's uh let's dive right into it. Uh uh you have you are hosting multiple properties, right? And one of the properties is a it's a resort, a private mountain home in Tennessee. That's but you have more properties than that, right? Um that's correct. I've worked on four different properties, um one in Florida and three in Tennessee. The um resort is actually the primary property I'm working on now. And while it's not being occupied, I actually live there. Okay. So currently I'm on vacation for about two weeks because I do have guests in there for about a two week span. So that's kind of working out really well for my travel plans. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And you've been doing a very good job because I, I noticed you are in fact a super host. <laughs> Thank so you. Congratulations. That's a very well done. Um, but let's dive into the story. So let's start with the beginning of this, this booking, like the request that you got. Okay. Um, so the booking started like any other booking. I received the request and the guest was very polite in their initial inquiry, um, stated the reason for their stay as wanting to do a quiet, relaxing weekend in the mountains, which I definitely tote this property to be perfect um, for that type of stay. He was very polite. We had a little bit of back and forth, just sort of communicating arrival details and things like that. And as I mentioned to you, he did not have any reviews, but again, he was polite. He answered all my questions and as everyone has to start somewhere. So I thought that um, it sounded like a good idea and I went ahead and booked him. Okay. And then the, the stay was for two nights? Yes. So it was a Friday night and Saturday night reservation. Um, originally, he said he would be arriving around three to four in the afternoon. And I told him that I would be meeting him in person um, at that time. When it came to that day, however, he changed his time to be arriving 
I think it was between 11 and midnight. So I did not go to meet him in person at that hour, which upon, you know, (laughs) if the future could have spoken to me at the time, I definitely would have met him in person. Right. And knowing knowing what happened after that, because we, we already talked briefly before we started recording, it uh, it makes sense to me that uh, he showed up a little later. On purpose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they were supposed to come with five people, but there's, there's some clear indications that mm-hmm. it turned out to be a few more, right? Right. Um, so he checks in on Friday. I speak to him that night to ensure he got in okay. I checked in with them on Saturday to make sure their stay was going all right. Everything sounded good. He responded back promptly. Um, on Sunday, he messaged me and said that they were leaving. They said they had a great time and they'd love to come back if they were ever welcome. Um, so that evening I returned home and I returned home about 1030. I had been out of town for the weekend. So I got home pretty late and it was already dark. When I walked into my house, the first thing I noticed was that our wood stove had been used and there was some sort of dark red sticky liquid on top of the stove. The number one house rule is to not use the wood stove. Um, and that's for a couple of reasons. One, Obviously, it can be a safety issue and a liability. Second of all, the house that is this listing is is actually a house that's currently on the market for sale. And we really didn't want anybody possibly messing up the wood stove as it is a very beautiful piece um, and part of the ha- a very main part of the house. So as soon as I noticed that the stove had been used, I messaged and said, you know, hey, I s- um, what is spilled on it? And that's when I sort of noticed more and more things. I went into my own personal closet and noticed that my grandmother's mink stole, which is a sort of old-fashioned style jacket that ladies used to wear um, in the 50s and 60s. Um, But it was a genuine mink stole, um, a real fur. So I immediately noticed that it was gone, which sort of set me into a little bit of a panic. And I immediately started checking all the rooms and all my personal belongings just to make sure nothing else was gone. Um, Unfortunately, a few other things were gone. In addition to the mink stole, I was missing one of the bedspreads, a king-size bedspread, another blanket that I had just purchased for the property, and a bottle of Sam Adams Utopia beer which is a very rare uh, bottle of beer that I actually only had because I worked for the company and that was our Christmas gift one year. So the bottle did have my name on it (laughs) and it was missing. So in addition to the missing items, um, walking around the house, I noticed there were pieces of shattered glass in my bedroom. And so I followed them outside um, of the master There's a double doors that goes out to the front porch from the master bedroom. And I immediately saw thousands of pieces of shattered green and clear glass. Upon further investigation, it was pretty clear that the guests had been shooting pellet guns off of my front porch. They had lined up my stemware from my kitchen and some soda pop bottles that I left them as a welcome gift and they had shot them off of my front porch. So we 
had a big task of cleaning up all the shattered glass on my front porch and in my gardens and walkway below, because of course, anything you shoot off a porch is going to land in in the grass and in the gardens. And unfortunately, with that glass being green and my grass also being green, it's been pretty hard to get everything cleaned up that way. Um, moving forward, um, I found blood stains in my closet. There was vomit in every bathroom of my house, off of my front porch, on my stepping stones, on partly on the stairs of the front porch. Let's see what else. I really don't want to miss anything because it's truly extraordinary. The amount of damages and also just evidence of this guest having a huge party at my house and not having a relaxing weekend as they had mentioned. Well, well, let's talk about the amount of alcohol that they consumed. (laughs) Yeah. um, So speaking of extraordinary feats, we did, we found evidence of what I can only describe as a fraternity keg party. We found 177 used red solo cups, 168 empty beer cans, five empty bottles of wine that was actually stolen from my wine cabinet, three handles of liquor. I believe one or two were vodka, and I think the other was a whiskey. I'm not sure. And then speaking of the utopias, um, that was empty. Um, I'm sorry, that was gone. And the guest actually did admit that they had drank that too. <laughs> wow, that's that's a lot of alcohol. You know, that for, for five people in two nights to consume that <laughs> amount of alcohol, I mean, you know, I've had some some pretty good parties in my life where, you know, I've, I've drank a fair <laughs> amount of alcohol, but I mean, that this, that's a little bit over the top. I mean, uh, you, I mean, it's, I guess it's possible, but you would have to really drink a lot. I mean, it, it would definitely explain the vomit. I, I agree. I agree. Now, again, he did say that it was only five people. And when I confronted him about the fact that I saw evidence of a party after um, he still he still held fast to that there was only five people, but I frankly just cannot believe that. Um, as I mentioned to you before, they were really only at the property for about thirty six to maybe forty hours total, and I just can't imagine that five people would still be living. <laughs> Yeah. If, if it was indeed all consumed by them. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty strong indication that there was more people. Okay. So let's move on to this sort of like after they left, you you found out it must have been quite shocking, but you reached out to, to the guests and you started a conversation with them on Airbnb to, you know, to get uh, some of the, the damages paid for and, and for also for them to return the stolen items. Correct. Um, Yes, I did reach out to them again through the messages on Airbnb just because I did want to have everything documented as possible and viewable by Airbnb. Um, He did not take responsibility for pretty much anything. He acted like no one stole anything. He acted as if he hadn't even seen the mink fur. Um, He acted as if 
everything else must have just vanished, um, which was very disappointing to me, not only because, of course, that mink piece is was given to me by a very dear relative and had sentimental value, but also just because every other experience I have had with Airbnb guests thus far, if anything even was slightly amiss, they've always been very quick to, and when I say they, I mean the guest, and I have always been easily able to come to a resolution um, for both sides. So the fact that he was not being very responsive and not taking responsibility really sort of changed the way I knew that this situation was going to play out in the long run. Right. I mean, and you've provided all the the documentation to me, so I had a look before. And uh, it. I mean, it sounds like when you look at the messages, he he makes it sound like yeah we had a bit of a, you know we had a bit of a party we made a bit of a mess sorry about that but you know it, it really wasn't anything over the top we didn't steal anything but I'll I'll ask my friends to see if they maybe maybe they stole something you know he's really trying to shrug it off and trying to get away with it for you know maybe paying a couple hundred dollars and extra cleaning fee or something correct um, yeah just again some of these messages I find completely audacious because as I've already described the glass shatters um, that we found all over the porch, his explanation was maybe a glass bottle or two might have dropped out of a trash bag. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's quite humorous. (laughs) Right, right. And um, actually the police detective also thought that was very humorous um, as I provided all the same documentation that I showed to you this morning um, to them. And as he was reading back the messages between us, he was actually laughing out loud (laughs) at what this kid was, how he was responding and the very cavalier nature of, you know, treating, speaking to a cop in that way, I guess. Right. And, um, you yeah. know, so, so kind of jumping into the, the next phase of this uh, process where you, you know, decided to, to contact uh, Airbnb and use the Airbnb resolution tool, um, Airbnb then advised you to call the cops. Correct. Yes. So like I mentioned before, I got home really late that Sunday night. Um, and where this house is located, uh, there is no cell phone service. So I ended up driving about 20 minutes down the road to find cell phone service. And I called Airbnb that evening. I just felt that it was really important to go ahead and have their um, acknowledgement that something was wrong. Um, and I didn't want to waste any time in getting it resolved. So I did phone Airbnb that evening and essentially the customer service agent listened to me rant about what I had just found and did advise me to call the police as soon as possible, um, which we did the very next morning. What else did you get as advice? Um, Well, at that point, I didn't really get a lot of other advice except when I mentioned to the Airbnb customer service agent that Airbnb itself does not let us know the ages of guests as they are booking or making their inquiries. Um, And as many good hosts do, and as I've heard many great hosts recommend to other hosts, I left a bottle of wine out for them. And as it turns out, these guests were underage. And at that point, Airbnb the only thing that they 
recommended that I do in order to sort of prevent, I can't really say prevent this happening again, but to have a better, I guess, idea of what you might be getting into with certain guests would be to, when they arrive at your property, to take a photo of the front and back of their license. And so that if anything were to happen in the future, that I would have their most recent government ID and contact information. Right. And talking so, about the, the alcohol and the underage, that brings up another interesting subject because, you know, as you said, you, you provide a bottle of wine to, to your guests, as, as many other hosts do. And, and so, you know, in the US, I know you have to be 21 to, to legally drink, right? Now, could, is there any risk that you could be you know, sort of held responsible for these people drinking? Well, that was my concern. Once I realized that there had been a huge party here, that there was almost undoubtedly underage drinking that had gone on. Um, and I did feel very nervous and scared because I do know how serious the United States takes underage drinking and the liability factor for people who can be considered as providing or purchasing alcohol for anyone underage. Um, that was something that I actually brought up very intently with Airbnb during that conversation because I, as a super host, felt as if Airbnb was sort of putting us in the crosshairs in this particular instance because on one hand, we are sort of encouraged to leave out things like that and to be extra well welcoming in those ways. And at the same time, Airbnb, per their policy, because they do want to sort of avoid, if they can, any sort of age discrimination happening, which I understand. But at the same time, they don't tell us that these people could be underage, in which case they know that they are setting someone up for a liability if they were to get, an underage person were to get hands-on alcohol that belong to a host. Yeah. So, and I was just thinking that's, you know, that's good uh, advice for, for other hosts. Like if you do provide a, a bottle of wine or a six pack of beer or something to maybe ask uh, before the, the guests how old they are, right. Or to maybe ask them, Hey, can you send me a photo of your ID or something? And if, if you're over 21, I'll leave a bottle of wine out for you. Right. Um, again, I actually can't say that Airbnb would allow us to ask, how old are you? They seem to be of the impression that that would go into their age discrimination policy and that it would not be the right question to ask, how old are you? But just to go ahead with the booking. And then once they arrive at your door, then to ask them for their government ID and take a photo of it. So in a way, there really isn't a lot you can do to sort of, you know, not get in the situation where you might have an underage guest. I, I think it's a pretty sticky situation that Airbnb has right now and one that I think might not really have a good answer unless you're going to be like me now, which is just that I'm not going to be leaving any alcohol out for guests from now on. Right. Yeah, I guess, you know, when when the guests arrive or if you're remote, if you're a remote host, you could say without asking age, you could say, for example, hey, if you if you sent me a copy of your uh, of your identification, then I might leave a bottle of wine out for you. Then technically, you're not asking for age, right? 
yeah, you know, that's, that's something I didn't think of. Um, that would be a good idea. Host, I can't emphasize how important it is to share recommendations of things to do or eat near your listing beforehand. Your guests won't have to go through TripAdvisor, Foursquare or Yelp. They won't have to scratch their head and think about possible places right in the moment. I've been using Hostfully to create an online and printable guidebook to show my guests my favorite coffee places in Amsterdam. They use my recommendations and I'm getting fewer questions from my guests as a result. I've also included screenshots of my guidebook on my Airbnb listing as a way to differentiate my listing from others. So make your own guidebook at hostfully.com pad. Let's move on to the next uh, phase. So now you're in the Airbnb resolution phase, so to speak. Now, I, I personally don't have any experience with this, which I'm fairly glad about. Uh, <laughs> but so I, I have no idea how this you know, how does resolution process work? So what's, what's the situation now? Okay. So how the resolution center works is the guest has to, before their next reservation arrives, you can dispute a guest. So what you would do is you would send a resolution center request for a specific amount of money. Um, and you just detail what the guest did wrong or why you're requesting the amount of money. The guest then has three days to either approve the request and send the money, decline the request and give a reason why, or they can sort of negotiate the request and the host and the guests then open up another dialogue where you are agreeing on a price. So if the host maybe sent a request of, let's say, $500 and the guest says, you know, I really only did maybe $300 worth of damage, they might agree that the guest pays the host $400. In my case, um, I was advised by Airbnb to send that resolution center request as soon as possible. So I got up on Monday morning, and with the knowledge that I had at that moment of what was broken and stolen, I sent a resolution request for $685 and outlining everything that was wrong and requested all of the stolen items to be returned. Again, the guest was not, did not take any responsibility and again denied that they had any of my stolen items. Um, so I contacted Airbnb and they really just said, you know, the guest has three days. He, if he doesn't respond at all to their request, then you can choose to involve us. So I did have to wait for three full days. The guest did not respond at all. So that means that he did not deny the request, um, approve it, or even communicate with me back and forth on that. He just completely ignored it. Um, at that point, Airbnb allows you to, gives you a new option, which is involve Airbnb. And in that scenario, I had to write another sort of synopsis of the entire event, everything that had happened, everything that I had found, and what communication I had had with the guest. And so, frankly, that's where I am up to this point. I returned home to find the mess on February 26th. So in two days, it'll be three weeks since this has happened. And Airbnb has still not 
contacted me back from their trust and safety department in order to get this resolved. Right. And, you know, the, we're recording this. Uh, it's now March 17th. This, this will be published in a few weeks. By the time, hopefully, we'll have a resolution, and then I'll make sure to add it to the show notes so that the listeners can can uh, find out what happened. So Excellent. That's uh, so. So now, basically, you you just have to wait, and, and Airbnb is going to make a decision on, and and then let's let's say they decide that the guest has to pay. Like, can they actually charge their the guest's credit card, or how does that work? Um, that's something that I actually do not know either. Um, Because police have been involved in this scenario um, and because the guest has not, like I said, taken responsibility for anything, I'm not sure that Airbnb can just outright charge his credit card. Um, That being said, I'm also not personally confident that that credit card would even work considering everything else that's gone on with this guest. At this point, my best outcome would be that the Airbnb host guarantee takes over and reimburses us for the damages. Um, I haven't yet mentioned, but we did have to do documentation for Airbnb and have estimates taken of all the damage to the porch and considering the bullet holes and bullet grazes. Um, the damage to the wood stove, considering their use of it, they're pouring water and other liquids on it that caused it to rust prematurely, and the extraordinary cleaning that had to be done at the house um, to have it ready and safe for our next guests. So um, I did have to provide all of that to Airbnb. Um, I also went, you know, took sort of another step ahead and sent a slideshow presentation to Airbnb outlining every bullet hole and bullet graze and sort of just compiling everything together in um, a document that they can easily review. And I did that for two reasons. One, I wanted them to really see how much actual damage there is to multiple places in the property. But I also wanted to show them that I was very serious about having a resolution to this, that I wasn't going to forget about it and that I wasn't going to settle for less than what was owed in terms of getting everything repaired and back to the way it was. Is there anything that, you know, looking back on this, on this whole ordeal, is there anything that you would have had different? Like, are there any learning lessons that you will take away from this? Absolutely. Um, I know that guests love to be able to check in themselves remotely. Um, I know it works better with timeframes a lot of the time, but I will never allow another guest into my home that I don't meet personally myself or my parents, perhaps. Um, We definitely are not going to do any more remote check-ins. And I am now taking photos of government IDs when I check people in. And I do let them know that ahead of time in my listing, that that's something that's required. So that if there are any guests that sort of might have it in their mind that they are looking for somewhere to come and have an anonymous party, that this place isn't going to be the place for them any longer. I also 
increased my security deposit and added a few more qualifiers in the house rules, such as the previous no hunting rule had to be turned into no hunting and no shooting of any kind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was funny. Uh, I noticed that when I had a look at your listing that it said no shooting. <laughs> it's something that I would never think about putting in my listing because I just don't really expect um, people to start shooting in my house. Correct. Um, yeah. I, it, again, it's something completely out of the experience that I've had with Airbnb or the experience of any other hosts and guests that I've heard about. So um, I would say, even though this is a Airbnb horror story. Um, I can say that every other experience I've had has been a great experience. I really do love Airbnb and I love that we have it as a platform that we can use because I don't like going to hotels. I feel a lot more home at home when I stay in Airbnbs. And I do really hope that the company, um, you know, pulls through for me and really does have our back as they said that they would have with their host guarantee. Right. And, you know, I was just thinking, is there anything? Are there any alarm bells that could have gone off, like you know, somewhere in the process of this booking? Because you you did have some back and forth with the guests, right? I mean, I'm I'm in the same camp as you. Like, I don't necessarily decline all bookings from people with no reviews because you have to start somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. The the only thing that made me a little bit suspicious when I looked at the this particular guest profile. Is that, you know, obviously this was a new guest joined probably very, you know, a few days maybe before the inquiry was made because he joined in February 2017. And that this user doesn't have anything written on their profile. Yes. Um, yes, that is definitely a lesson learned. Um, he did have seven verifications, which to me said that even though he did not have any reviews, he was trying his hardest to do the most vetting that he could up to that point. But you bring up a great point that he didn't have a bio and that was not something that even really registered in my mind. Um, whenever I was accepting the reservation, I, you know, we had the dialogue that was polite and good natured. And um, so, yeah, so now that's something that I will definitely be doing a much more in depth um check on another red flag again looking back would have been the change in his check-in time once he found out that I was going to be meeting him in person um, that now says something different to me than it did at the time which I assumed was just traffic or hitting the road late so yeah so those would be two things that I would definitely um, give as advice to other hosts is as great as it might be seem and feel to be getting a lot of booking inquiries. And you, I know you probably want to accept them all, but it is your home. And in this case, this is the home that I was living in. Um, and it did make me feel very odd to stay in that house by myself, just knowing that these people now knew where this house was and they knew that I was upset. So Things like that, um, you just really have to think more about who you're letting into your house versus maybe the couple hundred dollars that you might get out of it in the long run. Right. And what kind of advice do you have for people who 
would find themselves in a similar situation like in terms of like you know how do you deal with it and what's what's important to do like for example the documentations uh, the police like reaching out to airbnb etc um yes so documentation is the number one most important thing you can do um i know that it sounds somewhat crazy to do before and after pictures of everything. In my case, this was a new listing for us. So I actually do have a lot of very recent before pictures as they were the pictures I had just put up on the listing. But all of the after pictures I took that showed the differences in the damages, um, close-ups versus far away views. So you can sort of get a scope of what the property really looks like um, and how it's been trashed or littered or what has happened to it. It may seem very tedious and it, and it will be, but the most documentation that you can do and even down to doing, you know, arrows pointing at each bullet hole, like I did. Um, I do know that the police were very appreciative of having it all laid out for them that way. It saves a lot of time on their end. And I can only imagine it will save time for the Airbnb official who, is eventually assigned to my case and is working through the types of reimbursements that we're going to need. So um, in my experience, it is as frustrating as it can be. And as, as I said, very detailed and tedious as it may end up being, just the more cool, calm and collected and organized you can be in your approaches and your conversations with Airbnb, the better outcome I can see you having. Right. And it's, I guess it's also important to make sure that all communication is being done on the Airbnb platform so that you can use that as evidence as well. Yes. Yes. Um, and that's one thing I failed to mention before. Um, when I first started communicating with the guest again, after finding all the damage, um, he did not respond to me through Airbnb. He started responding to me through text message. So I had to, um, respond to him through text message, tell him to talk to me on Airbnb. Um, he still sent some messages. So I ended up just having to screenshot all of those and also including them in the documentation for Airbnb. But I would have really rather have had everything through Airbnb just so that there's just no question as to what was said and when. Exactly. Let's uh, finish up this episode by talking about the reviews because I noticed you left him a review and and he also left you a review. <laughs> yes. So um, at first I was hesitant to review him because I really thought the Airbnb was just going to delete his profile immediately. But I did talk to an Airbnb agent about specifically about the review. And he said that that not, might not be the case. Um, so I did go ahead and write a very detailed and honest review about this guest. Um, I think the first words of the review were in all caps. Um, and it said, hosts beware. If I would have read those two words on this or any guest's profile, of course, I would have never accepted him as a guest or um, gone any further with the booking. So it is extremely important to review everyone, um, great experiences or not. And I just found it very comical uh, his review back. As you can probably tell from my reviews, I have only ever had five-star reviews. And he gave me four stars across the board. Um, but he did have very nice words to say. He said they 
enjoyed their weekend, that it was the beautiful house with the beautiful view. And then for some reason, he cited dust as a reason for my four star review, <laughs> which I, I just I thought have, was. I, I don't think that was the real reason. I don't either. Um, I think, and my house think, wasn't even dusty. <laughs> I think he was upset that you didn't provide him with enough bottles to shoot off your porch. I I would agree. You know, um, at least I guess he found um, some suitable plateware and glassware from my kitchen to use. I'm <laughs> or, or maybe that uh, <laughs> or maybe that bottle of beer uh, wasn't exclusive enough. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I actually did not find any. Um, pieces of that bottle so i'm my assumption is that that one is being kept that one was nice. being saved <laughs> yeah i guess i had a, at least one tiny bit of decency <laughs> right right all right well thanks so much for sharing your story alice i'm sorry to hear about your experience but it's i think it's very valuable for other hosts who to hear about you know how you, how you handled it uh, what you maybe could have done um, well, I, I wouldn't say to prevent it, but at least the learning lessons that you've taken from it. Mm-hmm. And um, are you, are you? By the way, are you okay with uh, sharing the the documentation on the in the show notes? Oh, sure. Because yeah. I, I think that would be very interesting, so that everybody can actually see the actual pictures of the damages and the conversation that you have with the guest. Because I think it's very, uh, I think I think you definitely dealt with the whole situation in a very in a very good way, and also in a very um, organized way. You've, the documentation that you've gathered is very elaborate and comprehensive, so I think it could be uh, very valuable for for other people to see that. Um, yes, I would, I would love for you to do that. Anything that any good that can come out of this experience and in terms of for another host in the future is absolutely perfect in my mind and and definitely desired. Awesome. So for listeners, if you, if you want to check out all the the pictures uh, behind this story, go to getpaidforyourpet.com slash podcast. And there you will see the episode uh, show notes with all the documentation and the whole story and everything, all the links. So go ahead and check that out. Alice, thanks so much for, for sharing your story. And I'll hope you have some better experiences in the future. Thank you, Jasper. It's been great talking to you. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your pet.